Broadcasting coast to coast. Sports talk the way it was meant to be. This is Fazy's Take. Now, here's your host, Jake Fazy. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Fazy's Take podcast. We got a great show for you guys today. We had the NFL draft round one last night. We're going to talk a little bit about that and some other moves around the National Football League. The new Michael Jordan documentary series, The Last Dance, started on Sunday. So we're going to dive into the first two episodes of that and get to some bad news coming out of the NHL. Also, a dingus of the week this week, a special throwback dingus of the week. So very excited for that. Our listener shout out this week goes to my cousin Lucy Graves. Lucy turned 16 on April 19th, so happy late birthday to you. You guys may remember that last name from somewhere. That's because that is the same last name as Jackson Graves, who will be a special guest on our show today. So looking forward to talking a little bit about the round one of the NFL draft with him. But uh, like I said, happy late birthday to our listener shout out this week, Lucy Graves. And without further ado, let's get right into the show. The basketball community was blessed with the first two episodes of the Last Dance documentary series on Sunday. This documentary series will cover Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson in Phil's last season as head coach of the Chicago Bulls, where they would go on to win their sixth championship, uh, Michael's last of his career. Uh, The first two episodes came out on Sunday. I was able to watch them on Monday morning, and I'm a huge fan so far. Uh, I grew up during the LeBron era. I'm pretty young. So I was not able to see Michael Jordan and all of the greatness that he has. Because, you know, now they got the GOAT debate going on with this documentary coming out. And I will admit, I have always been on the LeBron side of the debate. But I'm also more of a, it's it's too generational, you can't compare eras type person. But I never got to see Michael Jordan play like like live. Like I wasn't witnessing in the moment what he was doing. So I'm going to side with LeBron because that's what I know. That's what I've grown up on. But anyways, this documentary giving us an inside look into Michael Jordan, into the Chicago Bulls, into their last championship season is really interesting. I'm a huge fan so far. 10 out of 10 would recommend catching those first two episodes before episodes three and four release next Sunday. They look like they're going to be pretty good. Dennis Rodman's getting thrown into the mix. I saw a few sneak peeks, so I'm very excited for that. Also, this kind of relates to a story we talked about last week. Another nationally ranked high school star, Kyrie Walker, has announced he will skip college and prepare for the 2021 NBA draft. Walker announced on Monday that he will begin a 12-month training program with Chameleon BX, which is a uh, training program that I guess a lot of a lot of the top talent is using nowadays. Uh, he's going to be doing that instead of heading to the NCAA. Now, my take on this, obviously I gave my take last week on how I feel about kids going straight from high school to the NBA, but now I think the NBA, the NCAA is in trouble. I think that they need to act fast because if they do not, their league will become obsolete in terms of basketball. I truly think the only way to prevent this from becoming the new norm is to begin paying players for their performance. Yes, I know it's not a popular opinion. Okay, I know we've been saying that, oh, well, you know, we pay these kids with a free education. Well, let me tell you something, okay? A five-star recruit that's going to the league anyways that already has NBA scouts on top of him, talking to him, he don't give a crap about your education you're throwing at him. He doesn't care about that. He's going to the league. What, is, what, do, what does he need an education for? That's not, a, that's not an enticing offer 
to give to a five-star recruit. Okay, the only way that they are going to preserve the NCAA and the value of playing college basketball is to offer their players a performance-based non-scholarship incentive to play for their school. Overall, I know, like I said, not a very popular opinion, but I, I honestly think that that's it. I think that players are skipping college because they're saying, well, why would I do that when I could just take a year, train, go to the G League, and then just start making bank? Either way, scary times for college basketball and for fans like myself who wait all year just to probably get all 63 picks wrong in the March Madness tournament. But the ball is now in the NCAA's court, no pun intended. The hockey community was deeply saddened last week when Oilers center Colby Cave passed away from a brain bleed on April 11th. Cave had been in a medically induced coma for nearly a week when he had a cyst removed from his brain. He was 25 years old, married in July of last year, and let me tell you, reading statements from his wife is absolutely heartbreaking. This is a horrible situation on top of everything that's already going on. My thoughts and prayers are with his family in this horrible time for them. The NHL's plan that was recently discussed to use neutral sites to play their games is, quote, dead. Okay, the league is now leaning towards uh, using two to four of its own arenas, which I think is definitely a better possibility. I figured it wouldn't work out just because, uh, although it may have been a good plan to use the neutral sites, logistics for something like that was always going to be an issue. There was always going to be problems with getting players there, keeping them away from their families, housing them, quarantining them. So I knew that that would probably not work. Uh, but now with this two to four stadiums thing, I also... To be totally honest, you don't see that working out either. I don't think that the NHL is going to continue their season. I think the season will be canceled. Uh, I've said it multiple times, no matter how many ideas. I mean, obviously, as the higher-ups of the league have to do, they're trying to figure out what they can do to play. But in my opinion, it's just not going to happen. Bad news for hockey fans, but we got to be safe, and we got to make sure that we're taking all the most necessary precautions so no good news coming from hockey this week pretty bad week in the world of the nhl nfl draft round one action last night as you know i made a mock draft with my uh first 10 picks that i thought would happen how many did i get right six out of ten not too too bad there were a couple surprises in there we're going to talk about pretty soon the first three picks were very standard i were they were pretty agreed upon in terms of the football community uh number one obviously being joe burrow quarterback from lsu going to the cincinnati Bengals, staying home in ohio number two chase young also going very close to home he grew up in maryland and he will be playing with the washington redskins next season and number three jeff okuda cornerback from the ohio state university heading to the detroit lions now we're going to get into my five surprises of the night, starting off at pick number four, Andrew Thomas to the Giants. I think everyone was a little surprised about this one. At first, I was very skeptical. Okay, I figured, oh no, the Giants screwed up again. Their fans are going to crucify them like they did for Daniel Jones. But I did a little research on this kid. I looked up his highlight tape, and I am no longer surprised why they picked 
uh, Andrew Thomas. He is a stud. His first step back in a pass protection set is so fast, you wouldn't believe that the guy doing it weighs 320 pounds. He is lightning quick with his feet. He's very strong arms and very strong legs, so he can push those strong rushers off and hold the fast ones off as well. So I don't know how he slipped under my radar, but I actually like this pick for New York, and I'm sure Saquon Barkley will very much appreciate them bringing in some help in the trenches. That is my first surprise. Surprise number two comes at pick number nine. Uh, CJ Henderson, cornerback to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Also, did not know much about him. Slipped under my radar a little bit as well. Uh, so this was why that was a surprise for me. After watching his tapes, it's clear to see why the Jaguars went after this guy. He's fast. He can move with the fastest receivers in that stacked SEC that he was in at Florida. Also has some active hands. He does not quit until the whistle is blown. No matter if the receiver uh, has almost full possession, he is punching at that ball, and he, he gets a lot of PBUs that way. He gets a lot of pass breakups whenever the receiver basically has the ball in his hands already, but he doesn't give up on the play. He's always going after that ball. Great pick here for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, surprise number three uh, comes at pick number 12, which was wide receiver Henry Ruggs III heading to the Raiders. Not many people thought that he would be the first off the board, but Jackson Graves is a diehard Raiders fan, and we will now hear what he thought about Henry Ruggs. I think it's actually a really good pick. I was not very happy with it at first, but I realized that Derek Carr is such a good quarterback when it comes to throwing a deep ball. And Henry Ruggs being the fastest player in this draft, at least the fastest wide receiver in this draft, he will be a really, really good target for Derek Carr and will take some of the pressure off of Tyrell Williams and also Darren Waller. And also being in the AFC West, we face Tyreek Hill twice a year and we know how lethal he can be. So obviously getting a player who has that type of style of play is something that is going to be a really good addition for the Raiders. And hopefully he lives up to the expectations that Mike Mayock and John Gruden have in him. If he does not, then we will be really kicking ourselves for not taking Jerry Judy because we will be playing him twice a year in Denver. But I I do truly believe that he was the right pick and he works really well with what the Raiders are trying to do as we move to Las Vegas. So there you go. That's how the Henry Ruggs pick at number 12 uh, went over with a, a Raiders fan himself. Uh, next surprise comes a pick number 26, uh, which is quarterback Jordan Love to the Packers. Now, after I ended my live after pick 15, I told Jackson uh, I would not be surprised to see the Packers grab Jordan Love at the 30 spot. Now, where the surprise came in was that they actually traded up to pick number 26 to grab him. Now, this is really interesting because Aaron Rodgers was on the Pat McAfee show, I believe, a week ago. And he said that he plans to play longer than his four years that he has left on his current deal. So there's going to be an interesting situation over there in Green Bay. Is Jordan Love going to stay there? Is he going to pull? It's it's really crazy how similar the situation is because whenever Aaron Rodgers was drafted, Brett Favre was 35 years old. And Aaron Rodgers was drafted at pick number 24. So now we get to Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers is 36 years old. And Jordan Love is drafted at pick number 26. Are we going to see a similar situation? where Jordan Love's going to force Aaron Rodgers out because Aaron Rodgers clearly has no intention to leave. Or is it going to be a bust and Jordan Love's going to end up getting shipped somewhere around the league? Uh, maybe start somewhere else or just start a career full of going places and being backups and who knows where, who knows what. So that's definitely going to be an interesting situation down there in Green Bay. Now my next surprise comes at 
Pick number 32, the final pick in round one, the Kansas City Chiefs defending Super Bowl champions select running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from LSU. Now, this is not a bad pick by any means, just a surprise pick. I figured J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, one of those three big running backs would go off the board first in terms of the running back position, but definitely not a bad pick. Patrick Mahomes voiced his opinion uh, in support for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Andy Reid, also very interested in him, said that he was better than some of the running backs he's coached in the past already, and he hasn't even played one snap of NFL football. So there is a five foot seven inch freight train on his way to Kansas City right now, and I think that they should be excited to have him there. Now, one other surprise pick, we are going to send it back to Jackson to see what his biggest surprise of the night was. My most surprising pick is actually Isaiah Simmons to the Cardinals at number eight. Now, this is surprising in two different ways. So first of all, it's very surprising that he was still there because we all thought he would go a lot earlier because he is a an absolute stud. But I'm also surprised that they did not take Jedrick Wills, who is a very, very good tackle. And that's their biggest need. Now, their defense isn't amazing, but do they necessarily need Isaiah Simmons? Maybe, but probably not. They need a tackle. They need someone to protect Kyler Murray, and I was very surprised that they did not go with Jedrick Wills. And that's not to say that Isaiah Simmons isn't a good fit or that he's not going to do well in Arizona. And you really can't blame them for taking him. He is one of the best prospects in this draft, but it's just not who I saw them taking. So that's my most surprising pick. Now for my top two steals of the night. My first one, very similar to Jackson's surprise, Arizona landing Isaiah Simmons at pick number eight. I think this is a huge steal. Like he said, Isaiah Simmons is arguably the best defensive player in this draft. If Chase Young was not up there as an absolute game wrecker, uh, we would definitely have Isaiah Simmons very high in this draft. Now, he was passed up by two teams that were definitely possible landing spots for him. The first one, New York Giants at pick number four, and the second one, Carolina Panthers at pick number seven, who ended up sticking with Derrick Brown as I had them taking. So coming into the league, Isaiah Simmons has a pretty nice chip on his shoulder there, and I'm very excited to see how he performs in the desert to help turn that team around. They already had Kyler Murray that already gave him a huge boost last year. Now they're going to add another defensive weapon in Isaiah Simmons. Big things coming to the desert over there in Arizona. Now my next steal is pick number 22, Minnesota Vikings land Justin Jefferson. Now when Philly was on the clock at pick number 21, I figured for sure they were going to take Justin Jefferson if they were going with the receiver, but they end up taking Jalen Rager from TCU and opening the door for the Vikings to land a stud in Justin Jefferson. A uh, great pick by Minnesota, filling that void, uh, filling that hole that Stefan Diggs leaves whenever he went to the Bills. So very excited for round two tonight, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time if you guys wanted to watch. But we are going to see where the running backs, uh, there's, pre there's prediction, uh, I believe Mel Kuyper said that there will be six plus running backs going in round two tonight. So very excited to see that 6 p.m. Central Standard Time on ESPN. Now the draft was not the only thing going down in the NFL this past week. The Jaguars began hearing offers for their running back Leonard Fournette in this past week. Leonard Fournette was sixth in the NFL for total rushing yards 
uh, last year with 1,152. Now, I can kind of see where they would be unhappy with his production as he only came up with a measly three touchdowns after all those yards. But I definitely think this is less of a performance-type trade and more of a business trade. The Jaguars seem to be planning a drastic rebuild over there in Jacksonville, all starting with the firing of Tom Coughlin back in December. So we will see. Maybe tonight uh, they take a running back, one of the big running backs in the draft. And if they do, I can definitely see Leonard Fournette going somewhere else. So we will see that tonight at 6 p.m. Now, another big story that was in the NFL. Rob Gronkowski coming out of retirement to play with Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My take on this, I saw it coming from a mile away, as I'm sure a lot of people did. As soon as Gronkowski retired, any football fan could have told you he'd be back. He was one of those retirements where you say, really? Already? Kind of like Andrew Luck. You know, and Luke Keekley also just retired too. When you just look at it and say, you know, man, I definitely thought that they had way more time on their hands in this league. So Rob Gronkowski definitely saw him coming back. Now, what does this say about the Patriots organization? The fact that two of their offensive staples over the last decade to two decades, Tom Brady being their star quarterback for 20 years and Rob Gronkowski being a star tight end for 10 years almost, uh, both leave the team at close to the same time, finding a way to get out of the organization, Rob Gronkowski retiring and then coming back somewhere else, and Brady just flat out leaving. What does that say about the Patriots organization? Is there some stuff going down in that organization that we may not know about, some things that players are unhappy with? We shall see as the Patriots have yet to select in the draft, so we'll see where they decide to go with their second round picks that they have acquired. So that is it. For the NFL, like I said, excited for round two and three of the draft tonight. Now it's time for Dingus of the Week, the segment where we ask, Are you stupid? I'm currently recording this on Thursday afternoon. The NFL draft has not happened yet. So as of right now, there is only one Dingus of the Week. But after tonight, there could very well be a second, depending on how stupid of some picks some teams decide to make. But... For now, we only have one, and that is Scottie Pippen's agent. Okay, I know a lot of you probably raised your eyebrows there when I said Scottie Pippen. It's not Scottie. It's his agent. Because whoever that dude was, he is an absolute buffoon. He allowed Scottie Pippen to sign a five-year, $18 million extension. That would be $3.6 million a year. Now, that doesn't sound too bad, okay, for the time. Uh, you know, he's one of the top in the NBA, one of the top players in the NBA, and that was a decent salary. However, due to some old cap rules, which I'm sure his agent was aware of, or if he wasn't, he should have been aware of, Scotty was still held to his rookie deal for two more years. So the $18 million ended up actually being spread over eight total years. This means that Scotty Pippen, one of the best players in the NBA, was making $2.25 million a year. When he signed that deal, he was ranked in the top 15 players in the league. Okay, He was averaging 17.8 points per game, 6.2 assists per game, and 7.3 boards. More importantly, he was considered the most important guy to the Chicago Bulls by Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan said in his documentary, when you think Michael Jordan, you should think Scottie Pippen. And this dude signed a contract that paid him $2.25 million a year. How stupid is that? Very. They talked about it a lot in the documentary. So whoever Scotty's agent was, congratulations for allowing Scotty Pippen to sign one of the worst contracts in NBA history. And congratulations. You're this week's Stingus of the Week. 
That is all for today's show. Thank you guys for stopping by and listening. Really appreciate it. Um, if you didn't see, last night I was live on Facebook. That's something that I would like to do more often for more situations if we can ever get live sports back. So if that is something you're interested in, let me know. Follow me on Instagram at Fazies Take Podcast. Like me on Facebook at Fazies Take Podcast as well. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next Friday. This has been the Fazies Take Podcast.